Mr. Pop. Dark. Hello, and welcome to Miskatonic University Radio, a podcast exploring Fantasy Flight Games' Arkham Horror the Card Game. I'm Dane. I'm Dan. And I'm Ben. And today we're going to talk about the player cards from the first Mythos pack in the Circle Undone, The Secret Name. And this is actually one that I've known people to be talking about ever since the spoiler article, because we've got some special cards in the store that we're going to be talking about after we get through the class cards. It's really weird that people are already talking about it because they haven't even announced the name for this one. Like it's still it's still being kept a secret. Uh, it's <laughs> we we tried to get past this. <laughs> oh god! But you know what? How long are you sitting on that, Dad? Like, <laughs> okay, no no joke. While Dane was talking, that's that's that, that's all the time it took. Yeah, no, it should be, you know, it's kind of interesting. We got a bunch of weird new cards to talk about. There's there's kind of like a big new theme in this one that's kind of interesting to talk about. Oh, 100%. Why don't we jump into the first card? <laughs> <laughs> well, first off, though, we, we want to mention something about the dual class cards, right? So this is introducing for the first time cards that have more than one um, class associated with them. But there's Ben was saying there's something kind of weird about the rules for these at the moment, right? Yeah, when they first announced these in the preview article, there was definitely a bunch of questions about how they worked with like certain investigators, like the um, all the Dunwich investigators. And the ruling was that like that taking one of these cards counts as taking two cards for the purposes of deck building restrictions. So like if uh, Ashcan Pete takes a dual class card that is like a guardian and a rogue card, it counts as like two of his off slots. But if he were to if he were to take one that's like a guardian and a survivor card, it only count as one of his off slots. Yeah, which is still kind of weird. And that sounds very silly. At the time of recording, I think people are like, "Yeah, it's kind of weird." And um, you know, our, our main our main guy Matt Newman, I think, said that they were gonna clarify it with like an FAQ. Uh, and at the time of recording, we haven't have not seen that yet. So rules might change a little bit on that front. Yeah, maybe maybe even by the time you're hearing this episode. Yeah, and we've seen before. Um, there was a similar kind of thing with, I think, the skill icons in Essex County Express, where the way that it actually worked according to the rules was sort of different from the way that a lot of people intuitively felt that it should work. And to their credit, FFG eventually, I think, said, you know, we'll go ahead and change it to be kind of more along the lines of what most people expected and wanted. So maybe that'll happen again. Yeah. Dan, you want to take us to the first card? Uh, Yeah, sure. I can do that. So the first card is a guardian card. It's an asset that costs three. It's called something worth fighting for, and it has one willpower icon on it. Uh, it's a talent, and the text is very simple. It just says something worth fighting for may be assigned horror dealt to other investigators at your location, and it has three horror on it, or three sanity, I should say. So it's it's pretty much an exact um, analog for true grit, I think, except for horror instead of damage. Yeah. I think, so so does this have a uh, a cinematic mirror just like true grid because so far this is very clint eastwoodless <laughs> yeah I, I don't know of a movie called something worth fighting for but i could definitely picture it i, I could definitely picture some kind of movie but I mean, um, is, isn't there left like a song where that's like the chorus like it's i think you're worth... thinking of the mulan uh, <laughs> song every time i see this card <laughs> oh. oh yeah no that's right yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, that one. Yeah, I don't know. This is this is kind of interesting. I mean, True Grit I think is a pretty decent card, mostly because it can possibly get Mark some extra draws, which is good, and it's 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 kind of cool. This uh, doesn't really work as well for Mark because you don't get to draw when you put Horror on it. I guess you could consider playing it if you needed something that could soak up Horror and you don't have the XP for an Elder Sign amulet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's kind of disappointing about this is. Like, Carolyn is maybe someone who would think about using this, except that she would rather, I think, have people take horror and then heal it, right. and then kind of have, put it on this disposable asset. And in theory, she could say, like, oh, well, I'll have people put their horror on this asset, and then I'll heal it, and then I'll get the money. But it's harder to heal assets than it is to heal investigators, usually. I think there's only one card that can actually heal this right now, and it's, like, the upgraded Ancient Stone can heal, like, from any card at your location. Because even first aid oh. has to be an ally. Ally, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. Same with the emergency and stuff, yeah. Yeah, what I was thinking, though, is that it kind of gives, like, Roland and Mark, who both have a five in their sanity, a little bit more of a buffer, again, if they can't afford, like, an Elder Sign or something like that. But one thing that I wanted to compare it to uh, for, for Yorick's purposes is uh, Teddy Bear, uh, the, the Keepsake. This is, like, very much worse Oh yeah, <laughs> then then keeps like this is like comparing them side by side. It's like wow, this is like laughably worse. But because it can be assigned damage, you know, from other investigators, he might well, enjoy recurring it. And also, this has the advantage of not taking up a slot. the The cherished right. keepsake does take up the next slot, which he might want to use for a rabbit's foot or something. It's a fair point. So, but yeah, but even still, he'd he'd much rather have something that costs zero that he can easily keep replaying out of the garbage bin. So. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm glad that this exists. Like, I think that they should print these types of cards that are like, if you're yeah. dealing with this type of situation, you can add this to your deck to deal with it, like kind of silver bullet cards for specific situations. But I don't think that you would just put this into kind of like a normal guardian deck. Right, right. If you wanted to put it into something as like a placeholder for like Brother Xavier or, mm. I don't know, maybe Elder yeah. Sun sure, Amulet, sure. it could be yeah, something yeah. like that. Because there's definitely, I know there's some people that like to have like smooth transitions between like upgrading. So it could be something like that. Uh, and it's possible we'll get an investigator down the line that has some type of ability similar to Mark that has to do with horror, although maybe that would have been Carolyn. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So I don't know. I mean, I think it's a, I, I think it's kind of a very limited card that's not going to be useful in every situation. But I'm glad that it's I'm glad it's being added to the card pool. Yeah, same, same. Um, so should we move on to the next one? Yeah. So this is the seeker card in the pack uh it's called crack the case it is an event it is zero cost you can commit it for one intellect um it is an insight wait uh, it's an is... insight a seeker event is an insight oh, right that's we've never we've never seen this <laughs> this <before>. means many <laughs> things but we'll come back to that maybe probably not uh... it is fast play after an investigator discovers the last remaining clue at your location investigators at this location gain a total of x resources distributed as you wish x is that location shroud value uh, then there's a lot of flavor text that I don't feel like reading by Arthur Conan Doyle. You can read it when you get it. It's like a classic quote from, like, uh, literature, isn't it? Possibly, but as if Seekers needed more money. It is funny, because we just had uh, our friend Graham, we, we just had him on the Talk About Ultimatums a few weeks ago, and uh, he had, you know, he, he was coming up with house rules to kind of try to prevent Seekers from being the best <laughs> class at everything, which they sort of are. Exactly. And a big part of that, he was saying, is that they have access to a lot more money than most of the other classes even though that's not really supposed to be something that's in their in their purview. So here we get another, you know, seeker money card. So it's just kind of like, oof, wow, even more. I mean, I don't know if you guys are overlooking it, but this card can be used to give your allies money too. And it can be give them a lot of money potentially. Yeah. You kind of have to do like a group huddle though. Well, like if, if you're at a location with somebody else 
uh, and one of you discovers the last clue, you can play this, and one of you can get, you know, if it's like a Shroud 4 location, that's four money as a fast action. It is. It is like, quite it's good. Way yeah, more, yeah. It's probably, like, more efficient than cash, other than, like, set it up at the beginning of the game. It's probably going to give you more money and doesn't taste action. Yeah. And it's a lot more flexible. It's true. It's just that, you know, you're you, you're always on your location. Other people are only sometimes on your location. So I think... Right. That- so, like... A lot of the time it will be for yourself, but it has a little bit of flexibility where you, if you're already high on money, you could give it to somebody else that might need it. It's true. It's true. I think, I think there are some investigators who can, who can use this to greater benefit. Like if you're playing, uh, working a hunch, this would be kind of good to pair with that because it could kind of help, um, that, that counts as discovering the clue. Is that right? Like even, even if it's something like, uh, drawn to the flame or that kind of stuff. It says discover the clue, which I think is the standard text for so that could be good almost here. everything yeah it's also so just mentioning kind of like some of the jankier possibilities i know people sometimes want to play in roland or other investigators these kind of drop clues and then use that to make your stuff more powerful type decks oh yes that's so a good point. The, you know like it makes his gun more powerful there's that new card that's you drop a clue and you get a bonus to your test quick study you know if you keep dropping one clue and then picking up one clue with a hunch or a single investigate action you're discovering the last clue on a location right as much as you want so you could keep you could replay this with eidetic memory or whatever like there's yeah typically you'll use those ways around hard investigating like with roland like killing an enemy on the location to get up past like a five six route area right so this would be kind of good for that too yeah get a lot of money and i and i think it's I wouldn't go too far in on that strategy, but there is a sense of like, oh, I missed, I didn't have this card in my hand the first time I fi- I cleaned off this location, but then I played a forewarned and I dropped a clue and now I'm going to investigate, pick up the last clue again, and this time I'll play Crack the Case. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It definitely has a lot of synergy with several existing uh, secret cards that make you drop a clue and it's like part of their cost. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think it has a lot of potential to be flexible uh, in terms of like when you want to be able to play it and also get you on average, at least as much money as a cash would, um, possibly more. Yeah, it also has flavorful and useful connection with a card from the last pack, Connect the Dots. Because you can connect the dots and crack the case. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is, oh yeah, that is true. That's a good, huh, that's a cool combo. And also, I mean, uh, we, we should also mention, I don't think that this would be a great hunch deck card, because it already costs zero, so you're not really saving money on it, and it is kind of a slightly more situational uh, insight. Right. Right. But, you know, it's still maybe maybe decent, even if you're not going to put it in your hunch deck. Yeah, I, I agree. Not a hunch deck, but definitely good in your main deck or for everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. So secret, Seekers, good job. Keep getting good guards <laughs> forever. <laughs> yeah, that's never going to stop. Speaking of good guards, though, we can move on to the next one. All right. So the next card is Intel Report. It is a rogue event. Uh, cost two, level zero. Has two intellect icons on it. And it is a favor and a service. Uh, the effect is discover one clue at your location, and as a reaction, when you play Intel Report, increase its cost by two, change discover one clue to discover two clues. And as a second reaction of when you play Intel Report, increase its cost by two, change at your location to at a location up to two connections away. Huh. Uh, the first question that I have, the first rules question I have is, can you trigger these reactions multiple times? Uh, no, you, but you, you can only trigger each one once. So you can trigger both. That's too bad because it would be, it would be really cool if this was like a basically pay two X to gain X clues. Actually, now that I think about it, you might be able to trigger it multiple times, but like the text would only work once. No, I was right the first time. You can only trigger oh, each one once. Oh, no, well, th- that's true. Cause even if you could trigger it multiple times, 
after the first time, it no longer says discover one clue. It now says discover two yeah, clues. But I think you can only, when a triggering window happens, you can only trigger each effect once anyway. So, but okay. so just so we're clear, we can stack these effects, right? It's you can you can pay six to do all like all three two of these essentially. Yes, so you could like interesting. You could pay six to discover two clues from some location like two spaces away from you. Very versatile. Notably, this is this is a new uh, subtype, right? The fa- the service is a new thing that might come back later. Yeah, I think one of the preview articles for a future Mythos pack had a service in it as well. Yeah, and it had these kind of same things. It was a, yeah, it was a similar type of thing. So I expect we maybe we'll see a couple of cards like this. Cool, I like it. So I mean, for the card itself, I think this is a, I think this is pretty good. This is a very rogue, I think. Even if you're not using the extra money stuff, like a Tesla's clue is pretty solid for a rogue, I think. Never mind two. Yeah, and then two clues is is pretty good. And one action, yeah. Like, uh, I know, like, in, like, Preston, if you're doing Bivoni Preston, this is a card he can spend a bunch of money on to grab two clues. And, like, a lot of other rogues, you know, Jenny and uh, Skids and such and Finn are usually loaded up on money. So, like, two Tesla's clues for one action is probably pretty good. The second clause maybe won't be used as often, I think. Maybe if you're, maybe it'll be used more in, like, multiplayer if, like, you're spreading out and, like, you're like, oh, this is a high shot location and you're far away from it uh i need to get this last clue you're like haha i'll spend four money instead of moving over there and having to move back to grab it or something yeah and every now and then we see a location that has this really horrific like if whenever you investigate at this location discard all of your cards and take six damage or something. yeah <laughs> i remember that one from the karate age actually yeah and especially we should also mention in circle undone with all the haunt effects anything that gets you a clue without having a chance of failure is pretty good yes that said i think that if you're just playing this to get one clue for two resources i think it's not quite worth putting in your deck because at that point any card that just makes you likely to succeed on an investigate test is about as good and more flexible but i think that if you have enough money that you're pretty sure that you can usually pay four for this and get two clues then i think it is good so i think it does fit well into preston and possibly also finn and uh some of the other rogue characters so i kind of wanted to 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 just check this card out a little closer so this is the first and correct me if I'm wrong, modular card that we've seen that you can play in different ways. If you just take it at face value and you say this is a two-cost event that gets you one clue, this is directly comparing uh, itself to Working a Hunch, right? Except Working a Hunch is just kind of strictly better. It has the same commit symbols, uh, but it's fast. So so you don't have to take an action. However, the fact that you can spend four to get two clues and then spend six to get two clues from up to two locations away kind of gives it that added versatility because then you're talking about Mm -hmm. well this is kind of the rogue version of drawn to the flame whereas you don't pay anything for drawn to the flame in resources but you you pay for it with an encounter card this is kind of comparing the four cost to the encounter card and then you're also comparing it to that seeker card that slips in my mind right now where you can investigate at your location and using that shroud of the place next to you, right? That That's kind of like a similar effect that this has. So it's got a lot of interesting versatility and kind of speaks to the reason why that seeker card just isn't that good to use because suddenly you've got a card like this that is just kind of completely blows that out of the water. But also the base effect on this isn't terrible. You know, like a Tesla's clue isn't horrible if you need it. But but the base effect is also worse than working a hunch, right? So we right, see that like right, right. seekers are seekers are kind of baseline better at just picking up a clue, but yes. rogues, as they get more money, kind of scale up to be able to do powerful things. Yeah, and, and I just think it's just a general principle of card games that 
cards that are flexible are really good because you usually only have access to a limited number of cards at any time. So a card that can yeah. be pretty good in two or three different situations is very often better than a card which is very good in only one situation. So in this case, I don't think it's super flexible because I think most of the time you're just going to play it for four and pick up two glues from your location. So it's not this like purely modular, really flexible card, but it is definitely good that you have those extra options. I think it's a solid card. Honestly, I think it's I think it's a solid card for rogues. Yeah, it's pretty good. Finn is very happy. Yeah, I like it. I think it's a another strong tool in the arsenal for rogues for being focused on like a clue clue character. So yeah. nice, very cool. Let me uh, let me move on and do the next one. So the the mystic card or one of the mystic cards for this pack is called Sign Magic with a K at the end. Mm, so mysterious. So it's a asset. It costs three. It has one willpower icon on it. It's a ritual and a talent. And it says, fast, you have one additional arcane slot, which can only be used to hold a spell or ritual asset, and it takes up a hand slot. My kind of preliminary question, just to make sure we understand what this card is for, what are, are there, what's the overlap between arcane slot things and spells and rituals? Like, what's an example of a spell that's, of, of an arcane slot thing that is not a spell or ritual? Are there any? Up to this card, uh, there are not any, I don't think. If you, a couple of cards after this, there is one. <laughs> uh, but but oh. for the most part, mostly we can treat this as just saying you trade a hand slot for an arcane slot. And that's like mostly true. Basically, there uh, there might be like one. No, that's a ritual. I, I, think, I think before this pack, there weren't any, but it's possible they'll add some in the future. Mm. And there is one in this pack, I believe. So And it's fast, which is important. But yeah, as for the card itself, it's like um, it's kind of like a Book of Shadows, right? It's, Book of Shadows just gives you yeah, yeah. level one Book of Shadows. Uh, it gives you an extra slot, uh, except it doesn't cost experience. I thought it was the level three one that gives you an extra slot, and the level one one just lets you put extra charges on things. Yeah, that might be right. Yeah, I mean, my my kind of feeling about this is I really wish it didn't cost three. I wish it cost one or two. That's, yeah, same. Because in general, you you don't want to commit a lot of your deck to just give you more slots, which you won't even, you can't even use until you filled up all of your existing ones. But I think the fact that this is fast does make it kind of worth thinking about just right. because right. you you don't have to commit to it ahead of time and then wait and see if you actually need it. You can just hold it in hand. And if you find yourself really needing to play a third arcane slot, you can play it then. So I could definitely see in like a three-player group with Agnes, you want to have maybe Shriveling and Rite of Seeking, and then maybe you also want to play, um, you know, Clarity of Mind or something like that. Agnes of Ryla or something, yeah. It might be worth it to play one of these. So Yeah, I think it gives good versatility, you know, like to, to what's happening right now with... Because like, if you have somebody like Akachi who gets more value out of her spells or even like um marie who can take an extra action as long as she's got doom on something she's going to want to be using spells way more often and there aren't too many things that are competing for a strict mystic slot like you've got arcane candles you've got when you can upgrade you can get the dagger uh grotesque statue yeah yeah sure statue is really good once you can get to it but it's cool because now like i'm, I'm not sure if people people enjoy playing like alchemical transmutation but like that can kind of maybe be a way to to get money more money so that you can play this card kind of a thing you know yeah that's true i mean that is if you have a slot for it um that can definitely give you quite a bit of money so. yeah yeah but so i was gonna say i think the hand slot is actually a, a big downside for this card because there is competition there's definitely some other good mystic cards that take up hand slots yeah but really it depends I mean, on like your deck on like how you're gonna build if you're gonna 
be using the hand slots or not really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's true. Although, so I think grotesque statue is just across the board good for everybody. Right. The the spirit of fame is good, but I think the people that have base five willpower, if you're playing on normal or hard, maybe it's not quite as necessary. So right. I could see like an Agnes build for normal or hard mode or Akachi where your hand slots are grotesque statues in this and that might work. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, but yeah, so that's, you know, kind of uh, kind of an interesting card. There's actually, so there's two Mystic cards, though. There's one more Mystic card. Dane, do you want to read that one? Yeah, absolutely. So this is uh, the second Mystic card in the pack. Uh, it's called Banish. It is a spell. Uh, it is a two resource cost event that costs you one pip to put in your deck. It has one will symbol on it and one agility symbol on it. It says evade. Use only on a non-elite enemy. This evasion attempt uses will instead of uh, agility. If you succeed, move the enemy just evaded to any location in play. If you succeed and a spooky symbol was revealed during this evasion attempt, that enemy does not ready during the next upkeep phase. So here we see actually another positive effect. I remember last episode I was getting very excited about the purple cards that were that were printed in that set. This is another uh, positive effect that similar to the purple dodge that i can never remember the name of hypnotic gaze yeah hypnotic gaze there we go thanks dan i you knew you could always have her back on great mystic cards um <laughs> however when it, whenever i'm looking at a card i think that one of the biggest things i look for is that non elite clause yeah because that can just be so disruptive the things that you want these more powerful more interesting cards on are the the elite enemies and in some cases you've got elite enemies the entire course of the game a la the second mission of carcosa where you've only got elite enemies that you're dealing with so this card is dead yeah or even or even like midnight mass or something with all the named cultists right like those are yeah yeah, i i'm i'm with you because my when i first glanced at this i was definitely kind of thinking of in terms of blinding light like oh it's an interesting alternate blinding light which one would you pick but the difference is that this only works on elite enemies blinding light works on anybody so while the effect is kind of cool, I honestly, the the not working on elite enemies is just such a big handicap that I I don't think I would play this. Yeah, if the non elite enemy clause was like just on the spooky symbol benefit, then it'd be mm-hmm. definitely be a lot better. Yes, because then it would just be an evade card that you could use. Yeah, it would be kind of similar to slip away, right? In that way. Yeah, and that's kind of yeah, what it's because... doing here. It's kind of purple slip away, but oh yeah, that's yeah, true. But it it is kind of like in general though. There's definitely uses like in um Forgotten Age for like sending a snake into the corner of the map, so you don't have to like evade it every turn or something. That's true. <laughs> that is a pretty cool part. Yeah, yeah. So like there might be enemies that are non elite that are just like really annoying and you don't want to kill them because maybe they have a lot of health or they're or yeah they have a lot of health or they have some claws that makes them hard to deal with. So, but you still want to like, you don't want to have them on your location because you're like, you need to do something there or whatever. So being able to banish it to the corner of the map or whatever could be, could be pretty solid, but I think it depends on like the scenario. The thing about this that baffles me a little bit is, so it's sort of like Dane was saying where this fits with some of the other mystic cards in this cycle where maybe you actually have good effects when you get one of the spooky tokens, kind of like hypnotic gaze. What's really crazy though, is if you were trying to play that type of deck um, if you play, what's the purple card from um, from the expansion that makes you can either cancel or double something that triggers uh, off of Eldritch the Inspiration. Eldritch, Eldritch yeah. Inspiration? The thing is, I think even if you use that to double this, it wouldn't actually double it, right? Because it, you can't make it not ready during the next un- upkeep phase twice, right? I was trying to think about that. It, it's possible that maybe it would make it so it doesn't ready during the next two upkeep phases, but I don't know if that would work. The wording no, doesn't seem I, right. I mean, there. Yeah. I could be wrong. Sometimes my intuition is wrong in this game, but 
you're talking about for both of those triggers or for both of those effects, I think you'd be talking about the same upkeep phase. And after the first right. one, it's already not readying then. So if it said it, it, it waits, if it said it loses a turn, then I would understand it. Well, there's, <laughs> it, loses it doesn't, a turn. Really, yeah, it doesn't yeah. Really have turns, but exactly. But. Yeah. I, I think it's possible that it could be ruled that it, if you did that combinant combo, then it would not ready during the next two yeah. upkeep phases. We'll have to but, see when it comes but out. But it would I be think. a very awkward yeah. and unintuitive interpretation of the card text. Yes, for sure. Yeah. For sure. I think. I think it's an interesting card, though. I think I think it's kind of a cool uh, analog to slip away for purple. Yeah. The, the only my other issue is that it costs one experience. I'm not sure that this would be something that I would put in for one experience. Although I can't wait to see the five experience version of this that can do this to elite enemies, and that's it. No, it'll be uh, five experience, exactly the same text, except if you succeed and a skull whatever token was revealed during this attempt, that enemy does not ready during the next upkeep phase, and you gain one resource. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Oh no! No, you know what? Two resources. Oh, <laughs> then you're then you're getting 100 percent of the cards cost back. Then yeah. I mean, it's uh, yeah. <laughs> pretty good. That's a lot. Well, oh. let's let's move on to the next card. Oh, this card is actually I'm very excited. Oh, about. I'm excited. I'm very excited. Are we talking about the meat cleaver? Oh yeah! Hell yeah! All right. So this is a this is a survivor card. Uh, it is an asset. Cost three. It's level zero. Has a one willpower icon on it. It's an item, weapon, and melee. And it takes up a hand slot. So its action is you can uh, fight. Uh, you get plus one combat for this attack or plus two if you have three or fewer sanity remaining. And then if the attack defeats an enemy, you may heal one horror. Uh, and as an additional cost to initiate this ability, you may take one horror to have this attack deal plus one damage. We've got the red shetty, guys. This is a... It's here. If you're going on an adventure and you're accompanied either by a high school football player or a psychologist <laughs> lady, then you're probably going to get a lot of oh, use. Oh man, yeah, this, this uh, I I like this card a lot because um, as as you're saying, survivors have a lot of ways to mitigate horror damage. Yes, uh, so they can mostly ignore the the damage cost, including one of the best allies of the game. Yeah. Uh, oh, so they can heal off of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so like that helps them control their their horror as well. It has like some synergies with other builds too, like uh, the desperate build that I did with like Silas. Whenever we did a uh, Forgotten Age, it synchronizes, oh, yeah. or synergizes very well with that, uh, in that it gives extra combat when you're at low sanity, and it gives you a way to get yourself down to that low sanity without having to rely on um, maybe an enemy hitting you or using like uh, Saint <laughs> Hebert's key or whatever, or taking but, Arcane Research or something. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. I think I think this is pretty good. I I think it is very similar to Machete, as Dane was saying. Uh, that uh, where its drawback is like very, I think very mitigatable with uh, with good with the uh, with other cards that you already likely have access to. Yeah, although it, it is going to get you into trouble, particularly since some of the people that are going to be most excited about this, like Silas, do have low sanity right. to start with. Yeah. So it could it could get out of hand if if both of your copies of Peter are at the bottom of your deck yeah. or something, or your or your teddy mm. bears. If you're using those, yeah, you got yeah, you got teddy bears. Compared to the other stuff that's available, this is really good. I've been wanting to try playing Silas for a long time, but it always felt like until you get your time worn brands, you just don't really have a lot of options for good weapons. Yeah, and, yeah, and even once you do it. get the time worn brands, you don't really want just two good weapons in your deck. You want like four. So now that this is out, I'm really excited to try out like a Silas build with this and Peter, and uh, just run around killing stuff. I also I want to figure out a way to justify using this in Zoe because obviously, obviously <laughs> she's a chef 
who is extremely Murder sane. Jeff. So it makes it makes perfect sense for her to have a beat cleaver to run around with along with her machete. It might, it might be a little bit harder to fit into her deck. <laughs> true. But uh I, I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna find a way to make that work. <laughs> and and I just wanna I just wanna point out one more time that you know, it, depending on the scenario that you're in, a lot of the enemies that you fight have two health. So pretty frequently you can attack, spend one horror, or take take one horror to get that extra damage. And if you succeed, you just straight up kill whatever you were fighting and you heal the horror back. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And and it won't it won't always work out that way, but a fair amount of the time it will. And even when it doesn't, hopefully you can just put the horror onto Peter or something and heal it, or on the key of ease for that. Oh man, you're right, Dan. So Zoe can use the meat cleaver, get her cross out, and when she like picks up any enemy, she can ping it for one damage and just hit it regularly with the meat (laughs) cleaver. Uh, or yeah. uh, she could do some kind of. I when we next time I play Zoe, this is going in my deck. <laughs> I don't know if it'll, I don't know if it's yeah. going to be good, but it's it's going to be very thematic, and I'm going to love it. Uh. <laughs> I saw some discussion about a meat cleaver Agnes build, where she can ping somebody with the, or she pings herself with the horror, which means that she pings somebody with the damage, and then also yeah. can follow up with two damage on top and of it. And then she could heal the horror. I thought that was hilarious. Uh, that's, exactly. that's worth a try. They're already, I did already see, like, last year, a Fire Axe Dark Horse Agnes build that was like, huh, I mean, this is bizarre and not great, but, like, it's a pretty interesting idea. So you could sort of go in the same direction with this, too. But she's she's a waitress, right? It's, like, in the vicinity of food. Yeah, it, it's definitely, definitely a little harder to pull off an Agnes, because, uh... Because she has low combat, so but yeah, but it, yeah, it could so be a way to go. It could but... be a, a a fun way to make it work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great card. I'm very happy this was here. Welcome, yeah, welcome to the party. It's, a, it's definitely a welcome, <laughs> we'll meet welcome Shady. to the meat party. <laughs> definitely a welcome add <laughs> welcome. to the survivor pool in terms of the weapons they have. It's been far too long. Like it, like it. Where was this when we were killing snakes in the jungle? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. There you go. So yeah, definitely, definitely a really excited card. I think we all really like this one. Yeah, so let's move on to these these very special and very uh, excitedly uh, presented cards here. Okay, so the first of our multicolored cards is the 45 Thompson. It is a guardian and a rogue card. It costs six resources. It's an asset, has a combat symbol on it. It is an item, a weapon, a firearm, and it's illicit. Uses five ammo. Uh, action spend one ammo fight you get plus two combat and deal plus one damage for this attack and it takes up two hand slots interestingly i think somebody on some on the internet was saying that this is actually the same model of gun as the chicago typewriter it's just like a different configuration of it like the chicago typewriter is the kind of gangster version of it that would have been sold on the black market and this is like the more more legal version of it or something i'm not really sure ah yes i think i I heard something about that Well, well if we read the flavor text I think I read that somewhere. The flavor text seems to imply something like that, too. Yeah. This is the ethical Thompson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think this is the first uh, level zero card we've seen that like takes up two hand slots. Hmm. And... That sounds right. Uh, and I think that I think that this is uh, an interesting card for like rogues or rogue subclasses to use. I think it is, compared to what like, rogues have, like, uh, takes up two hand slots, but plus two combat and plus one damage with five ammo to start. I think it might be pretty solid for rogues, especially because they usually have money to actually pay for it. For sure, yeah. And when we're talking about rogues that are actually going to be fighting with combat, we mean like skids for the most part, and also maybe like Jenny, maybe, maybe like Jenny. a little bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, La- but I think that Larry Anderson could use it too. He's sort of a rogue, oh, yeah. but he also has access yeah. to guardian weapons. But 
Well, that's the thing, right? Is I think that if you have access to to the Guardian card pool, I think in most cases I would rather play the regular, the 45 automatic than this, just because six resources is so much I would rather spend four. I don't really mind giving up one ammo. I don't really mind getting plus one fight instead of plus two. And I really would rather only take up one hand slot and have the flexibility to play something else with the other one. Yeah, I agree for that the most part there. I think if you're playing to build a deck that is focused on, like, plans to upgrade to some other two-handed weapon, like as a guardian, like you're trying to go to a flamethrower like flame or, or lightning gun or whatever, gun. Yeah. then this might, you'll be able to start off your deck, like, focused on giving yourself more ammo and be able to benefit from that right away and while you're That's waiting a, yeah. to get, you know, those high XP cards. So this might yeah. be, like, a work well with that. Yeah, this is kind of a cool thing too. Uh, with with for me, th- the first thing that jumped out at me was um, <laughs> was Yorick because he can bonk people with active desperation for a plus six combat and then reload it, <laughs> and it has a lot of ammo in it. It's it's not like forty forty five um, has with well, the other forty five anyways. I guess has four ammo in it. The only the only thing at level zero boasting over it, I think, is the thirty two. Is that right? Thirty two has six. Yeah, yeah, but it doesn't give you um, bonus to your combat plus at all. Two. Yeah, this this gives a plus two bonus, which is quite quite generous, I think. And it's better for I think rogues too because they typically don't have as much. They they can kind of try to to be guardian esque like skids, but even skids has three. So this helps kind of get him over that hurdle of five, which you need a lot of times. Yeah, it's true. Also, I just want to bonk people with a Thompson <laughs> to reload it. Yeah, you, you just want to taunt people with a bonk. Definitely haven't thought about it in York at all, just because he usually doesn't have much money to play stuff too easily. But if he bonks people, he'll have it. But but I do like the combo of of shooting all the ammo and then like chucking it at someone and getting six money with active desperation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I did it. That's definitely true. I feel like he already has his kind of suite of like cheap, uh, de- you know, depletable items. But you could throw this in there. What we're not seeing is is Wendy Thompson taking this, or, or Wendy uh, Adams taking this Thompson. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's, funny, yeah. it's an alternative to a baseball bat builds that people <laughs> use for Wendy. It's a little girl with a with a police with an ethical machine gun. Doesn't she have one combat? She she does. I she had two, but yeah, no, it, it's it's hard to be a fighter as her without uh, some other cards to like buff her out. I, I think <laughs> Agnes Agnes has two combat. Wendy has one. I'm pretty sure. I know Ursula yeah, has yeah. one, but yeah. Eh. Yeah, so so forty five Thompson, an interesting card, a good a good addition to the to the gun pool, I think. Yeah, and the gun pool. Like we didn't mention the it gun yet, but like I think all of these cards are gonna like upgrade into two different versions of themselves or something. Uh in like mm, the sh- third or fourth Nosis pack. What do you mean shush? <laughs> <laughs> we don't know that yet. This was all this was all this has been previewed by FFG like months ago. Yeah, come on. Man. All five. So not all of these, but yeah. So it'll be interesting to see like how they upgrade this to make it like slightly more gardening-y. Or slightly more roguish. I, I <laughs> wow. assume that the green version of it will have extra text at the bottom that says, at the end of the round, discard 45 Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're going to have a 44 Thompson and a 46 Thompson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll be the 46 Thompson, and it'll, you know, at the end of the round, you discard it, and that'll be really good. So look, oh, look forward no. to that. <laughs> Derringer syndrome. Uh, all right, Dan, you want to go over the next card? Yeah, so we've got, uh, on the next multi-class card, we have a Seeker and Mystic card. It's called Scroll of Secrets. It costs one resource to get out. It is an asset. It commits for one intellect. It is an item and a tome, which means Daisy benefits from using it. Mm-hmm. It uses three secrets. There's a lot of secrets going on here. Um, and for an action, and, and uh, if you exhaust Scroll of Secrets and spend one secret, 
Look at this bottom card of any investigator's deck in the or the encounter deck. Then either discard that card, add it to its owner's hand, place it on the bottom of its deck, or place it on the top of its deck. We were talking about modular things. This is a lot of text, and I'm pretty sure this is the, the card that has secret in it the most. <laughs> That's probably true. Anyways, what do we think about this otherwise? This this just doesn't really do anything. <laughs> But look at all the things it can do. Yeah, but it, none of those things is really good or important at all. So what like, are we comparing to? be this able with? to effectively use this card, you need to like already have an idea of what the bottom card of a deck is. So if you use it twice, then you can uh, maybe use it strategically. <laughs> but I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see a great use for this card other than that it's like, oh, it's a tome, so Daisy can use it, and they haven't released one of those in like X X packs. Hooray! Um, so yeah. maybe maybe if you're doing some wait there there are other cards that like let you banish things to the bottom of their deck right are there um who is it which mystic ally does that uh, oh there's a there's um a magical mike <laughs> um, <laughs> ma- magical mike the magician no, Alyssa, Alyssa Graham it's not right? a stripper oh Alyssa Graham magical Marty <laughs> yeah Alyssa Graham allows you to do so that. but that takes stuff from the top of the deck and puts it on the bottom so I don't know. What you'd want to do with that. I don't when, know. When I first looked at this, I thought it was like, oh, maybe it's like you can use this to draw from the bottom if you already know what's on top of your deck and you don't want it and you want to try to find something else. But you don't even get to know what's on the bottom. Like you've already spent the action and the secret to look on the bottom. So if you don't put it in your hand, you basically just wasted an action you could have spent drawing a card. Yeah. Yeah. Da- I mean, Daisy does get the extra action to use it, which is nice. And like, But she already has access to Old Book of Lore, which exactly, while it costs a yeah, little bit yeah. more, it's just certainly better. It's just, it, it, it's right. it's like an, an right. actual draw where you get to pick between three cards. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to know what the two upgraded versions of this are for, for the Seeker and Mystic versions, but yes. as it yeah. is now, I, I don't understand what the point of this card is. Yeah. Yeah, I no, nothing about it really excites me. Maybe there is uh, some combo with some... Uh, encounter deck manipulation cards uh that it could be work well with but i don't know if we yeah i don't know it's that that type of deck isn't one that excites me right now uh, at least until it gets more support so the other thing to mention is that it takes up a hand slot oh yep i i, I didn't even see that it took a hand <laughs> yep. slot until now well it's a book that's like magnifying glasses fingerprint kits competing with those, that slots i mean like i think the only place that i could see really wanting this is daisy and even then it's kind of like a slim very slim yeah she just has better tomes like old book of lore and encyclopedia yeah. are encyclopedia both yeah, exactly exactly medical text that what does scrying do again how does that work scrying lets you look at the top card of the investigator deck or in the encounter deck and or the top three cards yeah, top and three. rearrange them yeah yeah, and then upgraded scrying does something a little uh, different. That's so not one that lets you banish it to the bottom. No, upgraded scrying I think does something better, uh, but I can't remember. No, upgraded scrying I think is just uh, it's I think a it instant doesn't cost action. An action. Of a, yeah, it's an instant trigger, whatever the hell. It's a fast trigger. Yeah, yeah. Using the technical term, Dan. I know, I know. I'm trying to, I'm trying to be better about it. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it's it's interesting. I'm happy to see another card that's at least potentially usable in a Daisy deck, but I yeah, I don't think I'd play this. Yeah, let's move on to the next card. How about yeah. Uh, so the next card is Tennessee Sour Mash. That's definitely how you say that, right? It's not, you don't like drop the H or something weird. <laughs> nope. I have that in my basement. No? Okay, just just making sure. <laughs> so this is uh, both a rogue and a guardian card. Uh, it is an asset, cost three, level zero, uh, has one willpower icon on it, and it is an item and elicits. Uh, that means Preston can't use it. 
Uh, but it means that <laughs> so, Finn can tutor for it with his whatever yep. that card is called. This is relevant. Uh, <laughs> so it when you put it into play, it has uses two supplies. As a fast trigger, you can exhaust Tennessee Sour Mash and spend one supply, and it gives you plus two willpower for a skill test on a treachery card. And then as an action, you can discard Tennessee Sour Mash to do a fight, and you get plus three combat for this attack. So thematically, I like the card in terms of your you know drinking alcohol. It's similar to a Liquid Courage in that you're like, oh, you drink the alcohol right, to right. boost up your resolve for whatever horrible Cthulhu is trying to scare you from the encounter deck. And then when you're out of booze, you smash it to stab something. <laughs> but I don't know if it's actually good. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think that the theme and the kind of um, flavor to it is like a home run, but I don't actually think it's a very good card. So my issue with this is that both Finn and Preston, Preston, we're just going to leave out. Finn and Skids both have low will, which means they don't really want to be drinking Liquid Courage. But this doesn't even help with drinking more drinking. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you can't drink this to help the test from drinking more drinks. Yeah, it's like, why Why is it only on a treachery card? Like, that's so limiting. Like, why? I'm upset. Well, I mean, I mean, that's going to be most most will tests that you're going to deal with unless you're like a mystic are going to be on treachery cards. I mean, yeah, but like there's some when you move into a location or something like it's just like, was this card too good if they didn't have that restriction on it? Like, I don't know. I want to I want to drink the drink. <laughs> I like the theme. Maybe when it up, when you upgrade it, they'll be like a little bit more specific to each class and it'll be more effective. Yeah. But like if when you smash it, it gave you plus three combat and also one damage, then it might be like, ah, oh, that's that's all right. I I even think but it could give you then. like plus two damage. It could be like a one use, like pretty strong thing, like a look what I found or a backstab or something. Or sorry, um, not look what I found, but um, uh, I've got a plan. Backstab for sure. Like yeah. even that, then it would be like, oh, okay, maybe this is sort of worth thinking about. It's like a one use powerful attack, and it gives you this extra will benefit too. But what's the point of it just giving you plus three fight and you still only do one damage? Like that's usually not worth having a card in your deck and paying three resources. I think, I think this was brought, brought upon uh, Matt Newman's desk and with that exact iteration and Matt Newman realized that it would be way too overpowered in a Yorick deck where Yorick <laughs> would just smash, smash things for days, even though he would, he would pay through the nose to, to re-equip this. Uh, it was way too overpowered, and he almost he almost actually just completely discarded the idea before working it through with the, the R&D team. It is a fair point. It's almost like maybe now they have to be very careful printing sort of uh, items that can be used up or depleted that are powerful that are in Survivor, because it could make William York really, really good. So maybe maybe that's part of the reason. I think they're also, we haven't talked about all the cards yet, but I think they're trying to make these like not quite as powerful as like a pure class level one, zero card but still be maybe better than a neutral card. That seems about right. Just because yeah, they're yeah. supposedly going to be more flexible. Although we mentioned the weird deck ruling things before, which might make them not quite as flexible for everyone, but that would sort of make sense just because I, I think if you look at the, the multicolored cards that we've talked about so far, none of them are really great. Like the Thompson we thought was like, you know, sort of okay in some decks, but none of these yeah, is yeah. like a home run so far. Like the meat cleaver. Well, th- that's not a dual class card though, Dane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But. That's just a, a pure, unadulterated uh, survivor card, and also Zoe. We'll use yeah. it somehow, and it's yeah. gonna be great. Uh, <laughs> Any uh, anything else about the sour mash, or should we move on to the next one? Uh, I have some in my basement, and it's actually pretty tasty. Well, there you go. <laughs> uh, ooh, Dane, you're not actually supposed to eat the cards. Right? <laughs> oh. Just oh, if no. Dan doesn't like one, you're not supposed to. <laughs> 
<laughs> so let's just crumple it up and eat it. Uh, <laughs> please, please help. My family is dying. Oh, I'll, I, I eat so many cards. Uh, uh, okay. Well, so the next one, the, this is uh, Enchanted Blade. This is the Mystic and Guardian card. Uh, cost three. Uh, it's an asset. Has one combat icon on it. Pretty cool art of a guy holding kind of a magical looking sword with like a neat ornate grip. It's an item, a relic, a weapon, and it's melee. Uses three charges. Fight, you get plus one combat for this attack. Uh, spend an action. As an additional cost to initiate this ability, you may spend one charge to empower the blade. If you do, you get plus one combat and deal plus one damage for this attack. Uh, and we should say, and, and it takes up a hand in an arcane slot. We've been wondering what this card has done since the spoiler. So yeah, um, kind, of an, kind of an interesting card. Uh, what do you guys think? Uh, the best part about it is that Ursula can take it. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, so so they are. So she can uh, she can get up to a, three a, combat. A, yeah, a two combat. So yeah, I mean the the spending the charge doesn't give you an extra combat on top of the baseline. It just says. I think it does. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. The templating on this card, as well as a couple other cards, are very weird. Like, why wasn't this just templated as two different actions that say like fight, you get plus one for this attack, or fight, spend a charge, uh, you get plus two yeah. attack for plus one damage. That would that would be kind of, but I think the reason is, um, yeah, no, that's a good point. I, I don't know why do they, they don't maybe do they that. just wanted the flavor in there of like, oh, it's you spend a charge to empower the blade with holy or magical arcane energy or whatever. it is it is a little bit cooler that way. Yeah, yeah, and this is so. I mean, you know, it's three resources and you basically get three powered up attacks or you get plus two and and then plus one damage. So it's sort of like having three quarters of an upgraded forty five for three quarters of the cost. So. That's pretty neat, considering it's level zero. The fact that it takes up two slots, like if you're not if if you're not basically a pure mystic like Akachi or Agnes, it's kind of unlikely that you're really going to use your arcane slots very much. So you probably don't even mm. need that. So yeah, like a, a guardian using this doesn't really care, except maybe Zoe if she's trying to do some weird stuff with her off class and she's not using a meat cleaver for some reason. <laughs> and even then, she's probably not using both, right? Yeah. So. Like that's not that much of a restriction for guardian, and yeah, as you said, for mystic, it could be, but it depends on what you're doing. Uh, I think one important thing about this is because it's a relic, that means it's like a guardian weapon that can be used against like ghosts and stuff from Carcosa. Like, there's definitely enemies that like oh, yes. you need a relic or a spell in order to be able to like uh, hurt them properly. Right. Hmm. right. So this might be like a good, that's a good point. Definitely for Kokosa. I don't know if it applies to maybe Dunwich or Forgotten Age, but maybe for certain campaigns, if you know, like, oh, I have to deal with a certain enemy, I put this in my deck so that I have a way to deal with that. Yeah, like maybe maybe you play this instead of a forty-five for those situations. Also, maybe you play this like if you're William York and you, you're saying I want a cheaper thing that has fewer bullets because I'm planning to trash it and re and replay it from the from the the discard pile. There's kind of like a lot of reasons that you might use this. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was I was thinking. You can kind of recharge it with uh with bashing it over somebody's head and then, you know, getting the charges back uh, with with Yorick. This is the Yorick pack for me, guys. I mean, Yorick can also just play stuff over it to put it in his graveyard. Yeah. Discard pile. <clears throat> I forgot the name of the card other than that it's great that you could like chuck whatever your thing that's out of ammo is at it and then pick it up again. Active desperation, right? Active desperation. Did we mention it last time but with Yorick, uh like if you use that what's the card called, Dane? Active Desperation? Active Desperation. If you use that to like toss out your weapon, it gets put in your discard pile before you actually defeat the enemy, so that you can immediately play it again with the money you just got 
out of the gra- out of the trash can. And then it boomerangs back to you. <laughs> and then yeah. then the lightning god himself imbues it back with three charges in a round of Thundercats glory. It's a real good feel moment for York there. Oh, it's great. As for Mystics though, I think this is not as strong in Mystics right now. Maybe maybe Diana if you're doing uh like a combat focused build for Diana. But I don't know if the rest of the Mystics are really going to have good enough base combat to like really be able to benefit from like using the secondary attack. Yeah, there's there's not really many mystics that actually want to be attacking with their combat at all. Like maybe Diana, that's just about it. Yeah. If somebody really did want to use this though, they could consider like using this if they really wanted to use this. Then they could use sacrifice after the charges are spent and they could draw cards or something like that, right? Yeah. Like, th- cuz this yeah, would count true. as a mystic asset. Yeah, there, kind of there's def- there's a couple of cards that synergize with the charges. Like the stuff that lets you add more charges as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Akachi's charges? Yeah, like if Akachi played this, it's she would get to add an extra charge to it. Cool. Interesting. But what's her base combat? Isn't it two? She has three, actually. I'm pretty sure it's Is three. Is it three? Then it, maybe maybe she can make use of it for like so if cool. she doesn't want to use up a shriveling charge or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But she'd also kind of like hurricane slots, she'd rather have shrivelings probably, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think this card, more than the other ones we've talked about so far, I'm really interested to see what the upgraded versions of it are, because the yes. other cards have been baseline kind of not great, except maybe the Thompson. But this one, the level zero version is already at least kind of pretty decent, so I'm really curious what the upgraded versions of it would be like. Yeah. For sure. Let's move on to the last one. Grizzly Totem. This is a Seeker and Survivor card. It is three-cost asset that commits for one agility. It is an item and it is a charm. As a reaction, after you commit a skill card to a skill test, exhaust Grizzly Totem. This card gains another instance of one of its skill cost or skill icons of your choice, and it takes up your next slot. Accessory slot. Next slot. <laughs> <laughs> Accessory slot. Uh, <laughs> I refer to it as the bandana zone, but you know that's that's just me. <laughs> so this is an interesting card. So yes. So this card kind of gives like a min type ability. A mini min ability. Yeah. But it's only for cards that you commit, right? Yeah. So I don't know. This card could be an effective like plus one once a turn to some either your skill test or someone else that you commit a card to. I don't know if that's really good enough to justify it in a deck though. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I I agree because a lot of times when you want to get some kind of bonus on something, if you already have a card to commit, you're kind of halfway there. Like you maybe it's less likely that you need this. And on the other hand, some of the times when you really wish you could increase your skill value a little bit, you won't have a card in hand to commit, and you'll be like, oh well, this is just sitting there doing nothing. So baseline, I don't think it's great. I do think if you're playing a build that is playing a lot of skill cards and is planning to commit things a lot and maybe play fewer assets and events, so that would be like Min or maybe Silas then I think it might be worth considering at least a little bit. Ooh, okay. um, but And it also takes up a next slot, which is, in some cases, there's cards like Rabbit's Foot um, that people might want to play instead. So I don't know. I mean, I think maybe play it if you're playing like an extremely skill card heavy build, but even then I would think hard about whether this is really going to be worth it for you. I think the biggest downside is the cost again. Mm. Three is a lot to pay for something that doesn't, like, isn't effectively like, Milan or machete or yeah. something that's really going to be intrinsic to the way that you are performing during the game yeah, exactly that being said i i remember seeing a lot of uh bustle about this card in in mindex and being able to be a, a very big friend 
you know, to people in terms of committing cards. It kind of also can help you play cards that you wouldn't normally play if you're kind of skittish about playing things like Eureka or like True Understanding, where you're kind of, they're, they're just a little too underpowered at just one commit cost. Suddenly, if you're Min, it can commit for three instead with a Grizzly Totem out. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I guess it, it does make like single question mark cards a lot better. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I definitely agree that it could stack up well in like a skill heavy deck like Min. And Silas. Uh, yeah, I don't think he has much competition for his next slot. Like if he's not if he's running Peter, he probably doesn't need teddy bears um to right. keep him safe on those dark and wet <laughs> nights on on a boat. I mean, even uh, if he doesn't need them, he could still really appreciate the comfort that it brings. <laughs> <laughs> so, like he, he might he might like this like weird looking um uh, what is it? What is this which art? he which he found washed up on a beach somewhere. Yeah, yeah. it's like yeah. a uh some wood carving that has way too many eyes on it and is surrounded by like leeches. See, this this definitely belonged in the Forgotten Age, but they weren't doing multi-class things yet. Yeah. The art is really cool and creepy. I, li- I do like this a lot. It is. It is. It's like in mangroves somewhere or something. I could definitely I definitely agree that like in Silas or Min it could be it could be a decent choice. I'm a little bit less convinced that it'll be good just to like use as a a card that will buff like Eureka or some other skill cards that only have one icon, but I I can see the combo there. I'm just not sure it's 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 worth it. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Sure, sure, yeah. That being said, they do have access to Milan, and they can have a million resources at all times. So maybe, maybe the resource isn't that big of a downside for Seekers. Who knows? Yeah, I'm I'm excited for when like there's definitely a good ally that's like definitely a good alternative to Milan. There's the <laughs> the what's the one that like reduces the item assets every turn? Like that one's like has some potential. Charles Ross Esquire, but it still doesn't give you like that plus one intellect. So it's like ugh. One thing that's interesting with a Min, I know that there there is actually kind of a build for Min where she can use items and recycle them with scavenging for their for their icons. And if you kind of take a look at all of these all of these icon or all of these things, they're all items. And I've seen I've seen builds out there that are kind of like item centric Min builds that use this kind of recycling thing. That could be a thing, maybe. Yeah. And Charles Esquire could help her play them. I mean, that means none of these synergize well with able bodied. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. It's a lot of items in this pack. And and I should also say, a lot I mean, of weapons. I think that uh, the items often in this game have not worse art, but slightly less interesting art, just because usually it's just kind of a static shot of the item sitting on a floor or something. But, you know, there's some cool stuff going on with some of these, especially the Grizzly Totem. It is does, is very, like, cool and alien looking. So definitely a, a, a good job on the art. Yeah, sure, sure. You got Lion over there and the Enchanted Blade art. It's pretty good. Yeah. So the last thing I did want to mention about these cards, though, Somebody over there in R&D was, was being, being a little cheeky. If you did notice that from Scroll to Grizzly Totem, each of them commits for one symbol in order, you know, like kind of of the, of the stat lines, which is a little weird. They, they all, you know, commit for one of the symbols. But yeah, that, that's the last thing that I would have to say yeah. about this pack. Also, if you read the first letter of each card starting with Scroll of Secrets, it spells out Steg, which is short for Stegosaurus. <laughs> Are we going back to the Forgotten Age? So I think to me that's a to me that's a hint that uh, dinosaurs are incoming in a future cycle. Uh, I, 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 I return to the forgotten age, but this time I, dinosaurs. <laughs> this time we're doing it right. Yeah, I could not be more excited for the future of this game, which is going to be, I'm guessing, mostly focused on dinosaurs. But what if that's the secret name, though? What if what if that's what this is? This is all leading us back to to dinosaurs. What, what do you mean? What if uh, this is? I'm telling you right now, like, this is clearly what's being indicated I to mean, us. Have you have you read the text that's on Crack the Case? Like he solved that. Yeah, exactly. Like, that that's, is. like the the and... the dozen secret cards that show somebody like crazily putting together all the pieces of a giant conspiracy mystery. That's what I just did. You're welcome. <laughs> 
Oh, man. All right. Yeah, so, 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 I mean, overall... On, on that note... Yeah. <laughs> overall, I was going to try to summarize. I think there's uh, definitely a couple of pretty good cards in this pack. And uh, yeah, excited real. to see how the dual cards pan out and like how their upgrade path happens out. We'll talk about that probably in the future. And as usual, good quality art. Even even the front of the Mythos... I think this is my favorite Mythos pack art since um, Black Stars Rise. I think that was a pretty cool one, too. This one is like... The, the front of the secret name Mythos pack is gorgeous to whoever did that art. That's like, I want I want a poster of this. I want this as my bed sheets. I want this as my toilet paper. I want this as everything uh, that it could possibly be. We really need... The, the game's almost three years old. It's really time for another round of Playmats. They should really... Um, oh, man, please. Pick out some really good art that's come out since the beginning of the game and print out a new round of uh, four or five Playmats. I mean, if, if they're cool, like I'd definitely buy one or two of them. Whichever Elder Gods that, that Matt Newman has to commune with in order to get this to happen, please... <laughs> Yeah, please hear our hear our plea. But anyways, guys, those are our, our thoughts on the player cards found in the secret name. Uh, we'd like to hear what you guys think about them. Do you agree, disagree with our assessment? How do you feel about the multi-class cards? Are there any rules that Ben failed to correct us on? I don't think so this yeah, time. Yeah, I think you good, good job. I mean, I could, I could have corrected you wrong on something. <laughs> There's always a small chance that'll happen. Well, Preston will never be able to play illicit items. <laughs> So comment wherever you listen to podcasts or email us at miskatonicuniversityradio at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye.